And now, and now, and now, item, 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 item with Tommy Lee. Item with Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. Item. I'm Tommy Lee, and this is the Item Podcast, my random record button for whatever's in my head at any given time. And today I'm going to kick off a little self-indulgence project by way of a minor memoir. This is because I have a big milestone coming up on Halloween, and I am feeling a little bit nostalgic. Back in August, on Facebook, and in a much bigger way than I'd seen in previous years, a ton of my friends from the radio business all shared their trail of station call letters on National Radio Day. People still slugging it out in the ring, and people who hadn't cracked a mic in two decades alike were all posting their lists and walking us through the call letters of their careers. And more than a few people asked me about mine, and I realized to my horror that at the top of my head I couldn't remember all of them. So I sat down soon after and I worked up the full list. Now, it's not that I've moved around that much, but I'm one of those guys who bounce around on different stations within the same company. So I've collected a fairly long resume of call letters, one that was longer than I really wanted to post on Facebook. So I thought to myself, hey, I have a podcast, which has the bare minimum of a format and listeners, so why not air it out there? No pun intended. Okay, maybe intended a little. Soon it will be Halloween. October 31st is the 30th anniversary of the day that a program director named Claire decided to give a long-haired jackass fresh out of high school the chance to be on the radio. Then she got busy with the station's Halloween party and forgot to call me until the next day. But Halloween was the day that I was hired for my first radio job. And so this is going to be my first attempt to remember everything that happened from then to now and make sense of a 30-year career that has a lot of call letters in it, but not that many actual stops. And it begins with the story of my first two paid radio station jobs. 30 Years in Radio, Part 1. Hit 100 and WIRX. Item 115. 1988, the year I graduated, was a weird year. I didn't work in high school, being lazy at heart, unless you count all the bands that I played in, of which there were several, and that was a lot of work, actually. You were your own roadie at that level. I've talked about some of those bands recently in other item podcasts. I've even coughed up a couple of embarrassing samples. Let's not revisit that. Shortly after graduation, though, I took a job at the Dairy Queen in Box Elder, South Dakota, working with my friend Tracy and some other people. It wasn't far from Ellsworth Air Force Base, where I lived, or from the high school that I had just crawled away from. However, I never poured a single ice cream cone. It was a brazier, which is what they used to call the ones that sold food as well as ice cream. And I worked in the kitchen with my long, long hair tucked into two hairnets. I eventually got fired, because I paid for and ate my dinner one night without being on a break when we were completely devoid of business. And I had committed the cardinal sin of leaving water in the mop bucket a couple of nights before, which, yes, 32 years on, I will proudly admit, it's pretty gross. Anyway, within a week, I was working at the Burger King on the base with my mother. And you haven't lived until your mother is telling you that you're not moving fast enough on the Whopper board. Like I said, 1988 was a weird year. But I was just biding my time because I was hoping that the demo tape I made would get me in the door at Hit 100 FM, the best radio station in Rapid City, South Dakota. I'd already had a swing and a miss at the other top 40 station in town, Kiss FM, the summer before. The program director, I'll be shortening that to PD, by the way, from now on in these podcasts, if you don't mind, 
Uh, the PD over at KISS led me to believe that there would be a job there. Then he never called me again after helping me make a demo in their studio. All I really got out of him was my FCC radio telephone operator's license, because you had to have one back then to be on the air and to operate a transmitter. The only thing that card did for the next 16 months was look cool in my wallet during senior year. Until November of, two, of 1988, when I showed up for training at... Radio station number one, Hit 100 FM, KGGG-FM, Rapid City. At the beginning of November, yep, they stuck it in a book, that little license with everyone else's licenses, and I was part of the family, part-time. I paid some dues, like we all did back then, running Casey's Top 40 on vinyl and doing a couple of hours live after that, then running the Sunday morning religious programming that every radio station seemed to refer to as the God Squad, uh, doing weekend overnights, then weekend evenings, filling in after I proved that I could take instructions and talk without sounding terrified of the mic. Whenever I stepped out of line or got a little too weird, I had Michael Vincent as a mentor to pull me back down to earth. He's still a friend to this day. Later, when Michael left for Texas, our overnight guy got bumped up to his night show, and they gave me the overnight show, 11 to 5.30 in the morning, five days a week, plus a live show in the daylight hours on Saturday and or Sunday. I forget which. Uh, I was the night fly, basically, living the on-air existence that Donald Fagan sang about, but without the talent. I was still learning how to do all of this, figuring out my role on the air, and I was doing a lot of commercial work and briefly selling the AM Country Signal 1150 KIMM, which I also did some board work on, producing remote broadcasts. Good classroom. I quit college, speaking of classrooms, when the college load and the overnight hours became too hard to balance. I fell asleep on the air one night for 20 minutes and woke up blaming the dead air on transmitter maintenance. No one called, by the way. <laughs> it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Anyway, the quitting college part was a massive goddamn mistake that I'm still paying for today. I was also learning how to write and produce commercials, usually in the same night before the show. It was a strange way of doing radio marketing, but it, again, made for one hell of a classroom for me. Meanwhile, my musical twin Danny from high school, the best drummer I've ever played with, came back around this time in uh, 89 or early 1990. He wanted me to relocate to Minnesota, where he'd been living. He came with a demo tape of his metal band and wanted me to join it. Now, I could go to school out there, he said. We could make music together again. We could make our music this time instead of the covers that we'd played together in other bands. We might even have a chance to work with Prince. So many opportunities, blah, blah, blah. And I took a pass. I was enjoying radio. I was convinced it had a future. I still what if about it every once in a while. Saying no to Danny and the chasing of our high school dream wasn't easy. In 1990, still in the tender toddler years of my radio career, my father was retiring from his military service after more than two decades. At this point, I was 19 and I had two choices. I could either stay in Rapid City, South Dakota, while the rest of the family were moved to Southwest Michigan, where Dad had grown up, or I could go with them. Well, there was a girl in Rapid. There were a couple of them, really, but it was a different time, don't judge. And the job was still fun, but there wasn't really much else to keep me out there. And to be honest, I missed the Great Lakes. Almost all of my childhood until the age of 16 had been spent on Lake Huron. So it felt like giving the other side of the mitten a try might be the right move. I let the company know that I would be leaving in early June. I gave them like three months notice or something ridiculous. I made a demo tape and I carpet bombed Southwest Michigan and the surrounding area with that sucker. Eventually landing a job at... 
Radio station number two, Magic 107 WIRX in Benton Harbor, Michigan, at the beginning of June 1990. By the time I celebrated my 20th birthday, I was on the air doing the night show. We had a really fun air staff in 1990. Jim Gifford was doing mornings with Bob DeWitt in the newsroom. Carrie Kelly did middays. Corey Mann, who became a very good friend very quickly, was doing afternoons. And I was on nights. Mark Adams was our overnight guy. The part-timers we had on the weekends sounded great and were all really cool people. Aaron and on and on. Uh, The station was a blast. It was busy as sin and we were always out doing broadcasts for clients or events. I'd spend a full week on the road at three different county fairs every summer. The 4th of July at Silver Beach was an amazing chance to interact with the listeners. Everybody came out for that. They came out pretty much for everything we did. Then I went through my first format change. It was either in late 91 or late 92, I forget which. The name Magic went away and so did the top 40 music. We became Rockin' Hit Radio 107 WIRX, which was a bit of a mouthful. And Carrie and Corey were let go as part of this new direction, a thing that sadly happens a lot in radio. I got moved to middays, then afternoons. I became the newly created production liaison, whatever that was, to try and make peace between the upstairs and downstairs staffs. Then I became the production director. I trained a guy named John Jay, who didn't really require any training, and I watched him turn into an absolute monster of a morning show host. I loved working with that guy. He's a natural, still one of the funniest damn human beings that I've ever known. I remember a night when we had a company retreat to Chicago to go to Medieval Times together to celebrate a great sales year or something, and they made a big deal of giving John his five-year pin on the trip. And I smiled and I waited, because I had earned mine the year before and hadn't received it yet. Those pins were and are a big deal in that company. And they didn't give me one. Then they didn't give me one for my tenure. They actually never gave me either one of them. I even mentioned it once, and it still never happened. So I began to realize that I didn't matter, and that maybe I'd worn out my welcome. WIRX, after all, was one of those stations where people would hone their craft and then go on to bigger and better things. But I was happy where I was, living near my entire family, hanging out every Friday with the Cold Patrol girls, enjoying being entrenched in the community. I DJed special events and weddings and holiday parties, even rock and bowl at Blossom Lanes. I saw a metric ton of concerts. I met a lot of celebrities. I interviewed even more. I got so blind drunk with the immortal Tom Jones in a hotel bar in St. Joseph once that two friends had to drag me out of the club so my fiancé could take me home. I sang You Know Who You Are in a stairwell with the band Survivor and started training the part-time air staff on a regular basis. I even had time to take a shot at community theater with a musical at Twin City Players in 1995. I wasn't getting rich, but my life was good. Before long, I was freshly married, I had a shiny new baby boy, and I went into work at the beginning of September of 1996 feeling like I was the king of the world. And I got fired. We need to go in a different direction, Tommy, that little prick program director told me. And so do you. So I was about to enter identity crisis time in more ways than one. This has been the Item Podcast, written and produced by me, Tommy Lee. It comes out now and then, whether it needs to or not, here at Audio Boom, at iTunes, Google Play, and a ton of other podcast providers, including the one you found it at. 
Since Item doesn't follow much of a regular schedule, you should probably subscribe to it. Chances are that you listen to more than one podcast, so you know how this works. Next time, I'll continue this inside baseball look at my radio career, no doubt continuing to be far more honest and upfront than I probably should be. I will cover three radio stations that I spent time at in the space of just two years, two very long, building up crushing debt kind of years. That podcast will be up next week. And as usual, thanks for listening. I especially mean it this time, since this is the beginning of a very narcissistic project that's going to take at least a couple more episodes to finish. The item is part of the Optian On Demand family of podcasts. It's kind of the runt, really. The kind of runt that won't die. Not unlike my love of radio. This has been Item with Tommy Lee. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.